Roberto, we've got a voice note on Did You Like Line from Melanie. I'm actually quite concerned about my auntie who recently lost her husband. Uh, he used to do everything for her and now that she's alone and needs to do things on her own, she's experiencing panic attacks just going to the supermarket. She's never had them before. Um, what's actually happening to her? Um, hey Melanie, thanks for that. I think it's a good question and I think it's great that you're looking out for your aunt, right? You ask what's happening. I think that's actually quite a normal thing to occur, right? Um, if you've had a life partner for many, many years and they've been doing everything for you and now suddenly you're on your own, it can be very overwhelming, right? Because a lot of the things that you didn't have to do now, you have to figure out and, and try and find solutions for life and that stuff, right? I think the panic attack in on its own isn't... Uh, unusual in the sense that you know i can we can see where it's coming from why it's happening so i think that's the good thing so if we can find some resolution or some ways to help her cope with that then it'll be okay um but in on its own having panic attacks is not a good thing at all and i think it's something that can needs to be managed i would think right so i think what we can do is to teach her some good coping mechanisms and good techniques so for now while we're still not able to yet resolve the the core problem, the reason why it's happening, we, we treat the symptoms first, like, basically. Like, right? So with panic attacks, uh, deep breathing techniques, muscle, uh, progressive muscle relaxation, for example, and some mindfulness exercises is really, really fantastic. Right? Those are really good ways to mitigate the problem after it occurs, like, managing the symptoms. Like, right? Once we can get that under wraps and it's okay, she's feeling calmer and she can manage the panic attacks better, then we can go to the more um, in-depth kind of route like, and figure out and try and fix the, the, the underlying problems, like, which is the overwhelmingness of having to deal with everything since the husband has passed. Like, right? So I think that's uh, some things we can do. And, and I think that also helps us answer why it's happening and what's going on as well. But to be honest, Doc, I mean, just going out these days, I mean, mm. things are slowly mm. starting to open up again. We've yeah, been yeah. at home for 18 months. Mm-hmm. And then supermarkets are open again, restaurants are open again. Yep. Is this an occurrence that's happening a lot with a lot of people now? Uh, I think it it will, it has, and I think it will continue to do so for a while more. Lah, right? So similar to how, you know, when, you know, 18 months, two, two years ago, when we first went to lockdown, mm. a lot of people are struggling to cope with the work from home situation, being at home, cooped up at home. Mm. Yeah. And then now we're used to this, right? We are trying, they're transitioning again. So it's like a reverse transition kind of thing, right? Mm. So I do expect a lot more people to go through this kind of bout of anxiety and perhaps even panic attacks and things like that, right? But I think if you're going through that, you know, understand that it's normal, your body and your mind, you're trying to transition to and get used to new things and that's completely normal. Just be calm about it. Be don't 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 work yourself up over it. Um, try out the techniques that I mentioned. This step for Melanie, and you can use it for yourself as well. And the transition should be okay. I would think. Hey, Doc. Uh, we got a message on our Did You Like line from Janet, who says, "Good morning, Doctor Joel. Could you help explain the difference between a psychiatrist, psychotherapist, psychologist, and all the other is? There are so many different kinds of therapists, and I'm not sure how to find the right one for my son. Thank you. That is a good question. <laughs> so, um, when we're talking about uh psychological therapy, so psychotherapy. Right? So there are three main professions here in Malaysia. I say in Malaysia because there are variations across the world. So in America, you've got your whole different set. In UK, Australia, you've got a whole different set of things like that. But here in Malaysia, the three primary psychotherapists professions that you find is psychiatrists, clinical psychologists and counsellors. Right? So um, there are a few, there are definitely differences between them. So let's start with counsellors. Right? So counsellors do talk therapy, they do counselling sessions, psychotherapy, right? Um, but their primary focus is more on day-to-day kind of issues. Right? So we're talking about you know, stress at work, communication skills, relationship issues and things like that. Right? Some counsellors do dabble in um, clinical, more, more clinical populations and things like that, but that's rare. It depends on the, the training that they receive. By and large, generally speaking, they focus on more day-to-day kind of issues. Right? Now, we move on to the next one, clinical psychologists. Right? So, clinical psychologists does 
counseling and talk therapy as well. But um, our focus is a bit more diverse. Lah. So while we do see the day-to-day kind of populations, right, we also focus on the more clinical populations. Lah. So schizophrenia, OCD, major depressive disorders, suicidal ideations and things like that. Lah, right? Everything the counselor does, but a bit more, the more clinical populations. Lah, right? Now the final one is psychiatrist. Lah. So the psychiatrist does the same work as a clinical psychologist does, the same kind of clients, but the medium of treatment is different. right? So while counselors and clinical psychologists focus on psychotherapy, talk therapy, counseling sessions, uh, psychiatrists focus more on the medication aspects of things like the biological mm. aspects of things like right? some psychiatrists in Malaysia just do psychotherapy but it's quite rare like, primarily they focus more on the medication and then the talk therapy is left to the counsellors and psychologists like, right? so in terms of your question Janet like um, what would be helpful for your child I think it depends on the nature of problem that they're going through like, right? so if it's a more of a you know maybe I don't know adjustment perhaps or maybe it's a relationship issue then either a counsellor or clinical psychologist might be an idea or a good fit for your son like, right? but it was something a bit more critical right? let's say you know um, I, maybe it's a, something that's more developmental for her perhaps or eating disorder for example and things like that then you might want to consider a psychiatrist as well just in case so you have some options to try and see alright we got a message on our Did You Like line from Simon who says my 16 year old has ADHD online school and being online after that because of pandemic life has made it worse we used to watch TV series and movies together but now if it's not fast paced cartoons or YouTube videos she doesn't even want to try so she's opting out how can I increase her attention so she doesn't miss out on family time together oh, that's rough mm. um, I think the few things that we need to consider right? so with ADHD you know it's, it's a spectrum there's two usually two elements to it like one is the inattentiveness and then the other one is the hyperactivity so with your daughter it sounds at least from what you described it sounds more like the inattentive type right where she isn't able to focus unless it's demanding of her attention non-stop like, right um, another thing about ADHD is that it can fluctuate a little bit depending on the situation they're going through so naturally if individuals are more stressed out then you see the symptoms will flare up a lot more if it's being a bit calmer they're able to devote more resources to managing it then it's a bit more manageable like that sense right I'm thinking for it might not be a permanent kind of thing so it's just that this is her way of coping or adjusting with the studying from home kind of situation and you know eventually when she goes back I think it might calm down a little bit and that's my hope right and go mm. back to a bit normal I think in the meantime right um, if you want to engage her a bit better I think instead of focusing on the watching shows kind of activities because it's quite passive you're just consuming content right mm. one thing that we could do is to engage her more um, her other senses as well so maybe doing something a bit more tactile with her hands doing projects building models that kind of thing and that would hopefully capture attention a bit better um, and you know than, than just watching TV shows like, for example like. but you know like with a 16 year old I mean I can remember back to when I was kind of 16 like mm. um, I didn't the dark want ages. yeah the dark ages I didn't in, in both respects psychologically speaking and also right. uh, time timeline wise but <laughs> you know like the idea of doing something with my mom for example was already mm. odd at that age so when you like talk about projects and stuff like that like do you mean mm. just like mm dinner time like is that a project like <laughs> i'm asking just because like i know thinking about my kid who's 14 yeah. like oh you're talking about like playing a sport um so i mean if you could play a sport now i think it would be good i think dinner time it's it's good start but i don't think it's enough because again you, you you're doing you, you, it's a shared activity like, meaning that you know you're having dinner and then you're doing something else like. what i mean is like mm-hmm. replacing the tv time with some other kind of activities like, right um i think actually you're right i think most teenagers would balk at you know doing extra stuff with their parents and things like that like, and understandably 
so. But I'm just banking on the fact that since this uh, the, the 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 caller said that you know they they're already spending time together, they're watching TV shows together. So that means she's mm. not averse towards doing that, right? So we're trying to leverage on that connection there and see whether they can do more or not. But right. definitely more engaging kind of things. So like sport is a good example. Maybe something like um building something like building a a drone, a remote control car, or whatever it is, right? Together or whatever she's inclined towards, lah, right? So something right. that really requires a full on attention, something that's more tangible. I think that would be something to be useful as well. Doc, we've got a voice note from Sue Fun for you. Uh, hi, doctor. I'm experiencing some mood swing this day, uh, a few times a day sometimes, and my friends have been seeing when I'm angry with my staff. Sometimes uh, it's a bit over for small things. I do notice it now. This only happened in the f- last few weeks after I started going back to the office. If I had to just suddenly have to go back to the office, I'd have mood swings too. Mm. <laughs> but uh, but I think you're right, JD. I think you know, like uh, I think transitioning like, from one one thing to another, especially something as massive as working from home for the past what year and a half, two years, that kind of thing, and then suddenly having to go back to the office again, it's it's a big transition, right? And I think people sometimes assume that oh, I'm going back to quote unquote normal, right? Things will be okay, it'll be easy transition, but that's not true, lah, right? I think a good example analogy of this would be you know students who travel who study overseas to stay. It's America, UK, whatever this, right? Mm-hmm. People always assume that oh, when I, it feels so awkward here, you know, it took me so long to acclimatize here. Once I go back to Malaysia, it'll be perfectly fine. But that's far from far no, further from the truth, no. right? no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I was studying in Australia for a couple of years, right? When I came back, I almost died a couple of times because I always thought that cars would stop for me at the zebra crossing. <laughs> exactly. <right? yeah. laughs> you know, and I think you mean literally um, <laughs> died. Yeah, that's yeah, incredible. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So I think I think Sivan, I think that's what's happening as well. Like what JD said, like I think it's the transition, and I think it's not a coincidence that you know past couple of weeks you have to go back to the office past couple of weeks you notice an increase in the frustration and the in the, in the, the shortness of anger and things like that like, I think there is a correlation there right um, what I would probably would suggest is that you know you give it a month or so right let things calm down a little bit so you get more used to this transition and see where you're at right? I think if your 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 frustration your grumpiness starts to ebb a little bit your your shortness of temper goes away right then I think it's okay lah. means you're getting used to that transition lah. but if it continues or if it gets worse lah, right, and you start stacking and more people and you get like you get in trouble because of it for example then I probably would encourage you to speak to someone just to try and find out what's going on and see whether we can work on it a bit mm. or not. this is a lashing out that I think her friends are concerned about right yeah yeah correct correct. Mm. and it's normal that Sufan herself would not realise that because you know you have so much in your head you're so frustrated about so many things right that your yeah. friends and family members will notice it first before you mm. but uh, <laughs> she noticed it as well so it must be bad as well, <laughs> well yeah. you, but that's also really good right because like when you kind of you don't ignore what your friends are saying and you kind yeah. of go Oh, actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it and is it thing, worthwhile to get you know like a medical checkup also if some if it stays the same or gets worse? I think if there's been any significant biological changes, then I think it would warrant a medical checkup. So like let's say you notice that you know your appetite's like shot up, or let's say you're not sleeping as well and things like that, then probably yes. But if all things will remain equal and there's nothing significant happening to you medically, right? Then it could be more psychological than medical. So I would probably explore that route first. If that feels then we still have the medical route to to check and see after that. But I notice I get when I do my lashing out, right? It's usually and I'm shopping or whatever it is, and then I'm I get very angry. Then my wife says. Someone needs to eat, okay? Is <laughs> that hangry thing? Right? Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah, get yeah, hangry yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Doc, we have an anonymous message on the DigiLight line, which says, Doctor, I'm going through menopause and feeling extremely emotional, angry, sad, depressed, numb, etc. My doctor says it's normal and nothing to worry about, but it feels horrible. How do I know if it's just menopause? And if it is, what can I do about it? Because doctors just say everything will be fine soon, but it isn't now. And that is a problem. I hear you, anonymous. <laughs> I hear you when doctors go, oh, it's natural. It's normal. It's like, well, what are you going to do about it? Uh, right, right, right. Um, um, and I, I, I think doctors say that sometimes because they have the benefit of hindsight, like, I suppose. Like, you know, they've seen so many cases and they have the benefit of time as well. And they know that through natural progression, it, it, it can and will get better. Like. It's just that for the patient in that moment at that time, it's like, no, not, not happening, right? It's, it's just driving nuts. Doc, menopause yeah. can last like three years, four years to actually complete. That's yeah. a lot for a woman to have to like just exactly. handle, yeah, but right? Yeah. Women have gone through it as well. Right. But I mean, you have no idea the psychoness that they've gone through. And mm, I say that mm. li- not lightly because I yeah. mean it. Like friends of mine have become, I have one particular friend who is just literally psychotic at, at stages. Mm-hmm. But but I think like the what, what I was referencing to earlier on was the fact that, you know, three years versus 60, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So in that kind of perspective, then it can, I'm not trying to belittle anything that, you know, menopause women are going through, not at all. But I'm just saying that that's why doctors would say that sometimes. But that being said, I think a good way to check and see whether it's just the menopause talking or it's something bigger is to put your kid yourself checked out right mm. I think that way it's a, that's the best way to go about it because then we can try and uh, you know try and uh, check and see like, as many bases as possible to see what's going on and ultimately what can also happen is that you know while the trigger might mean the menopause like the changing hormones and all that might cause the emotional fluctuations and things like that right there are situations also when it's left untreated it can develop into something else right so because of what happens in the next six months three years or whatever it is right it can make you make let's say bad decisions for example bad choices and that could then start this spiral towards depression or anxiety or what have you like that sense so it's something mm-hmm. you want to be very careful about as well so safest route go get yourself checked out work on the issues if nothing great if not then we can work on it and see what we can do about it well what kind of things would they be looking for like when you say go get checked out for example mm-hmm. you know like I mean Anon asks how do I know if it's just menopause so mm-hmm. say someone is going through menopause but then oh, there they're kind of concerned else. like as JD mm-hmm. says like a lot of women go through it and yeah. They're okay, right. but then what's the extreme thing with me? I mean, what would be... Yeah. So if you go see a, a therapist, a counselor, a psychologist, for example, or even a psychiatrist even, right? What will happen is that we'll start off with a detailed history of your life and what's going on right now. Right? So basically, when we do that, what we're trying to do is to find clues to see what's going on. So hypothetically speaking, ideal situation here, if this person's life is pretty much okay, you know, kids are grown up, they've got a good job, no major stresses in their life, but they're just feeling really grumpy and frustrated, that could mean either one of two things. Like one, it's the hormones talking, right? Or two, there could be some, you know, midlife slash end of life kind of uh, thoughts that are going through in their head and they're trying to deal with that. So if it's the hormones thing, then, you know, what we can do is to give them some good coping mechanisms, right? Different ways to cope with the emotional fluctuations. If it's more about dealing with the end of life or the the, the fear of end of life, like as you're approaching Mm -hmm. the final uh, third of your life, for example, then therapy can be a good way to deal with that kind of anxiety and the stresses there in that sense, right? Mm -hmm. So when I say get it checked out, that's what I mean, right? The Mm -hmm. therapist will work with you, try and find out what's going on 